Welcome to the IDP Plus podcast for the week 14 standings. Um, I wanted to do something different this week, guys. I wanted to give you an episode through the offensive lens. I wanted to look at things a little more objectively. Uh, do something different with this podcast. Uh, see if you guys like it. Uh, I always wanted to highlight players that never get much attention. But more importantly, I wanted to look at offense as well as defense. Uh, I think we got a great lineup tonight. Um, my guest is Josh Hall. You guys may know him. He is over on Offensive Points. You can find him. His handle is Josh Hall STL, also at Offensive Points. Uh, Josh is a unique guest. Josh is the co-host of Offensive Points. He also works for IDP Guys and formerly the IDP Army. Not to mention he's a fantasy pros expert and a diehard Eagles fan. How you doing, Josh? Oh, doing great, and uh, it was—it's a little tough coming off that loss to San Francisco, but uh, yeah, no, diehard Bills fan, a hundred percent through and through, and it's great to see these years too, because it's been a while, even with the Carson Wentz era, it's been a lot harder. But um, no, happy to be on IDP Plus in general. Happy you reached out to ha- have me on the show. Looking forward to uh, doing some more collabs in the future. Uh, that's something that I've always—we've kind of always brought people onto our show, and I, I think this might actually be my first guest star on another show. So I'm excited to. Oh do, wow. Uh, uh, join in on something else yeah we we always ha- call a couple people uh, i think we've had mace and a couple of those guys out there in the idp community uh join in on shows and everything and it's just nice to be it's nice to be wanted on a different channel so different channel different show either way as my audience already knows i am steve hungarder my handle is idp hunter i'm a writer at idp guys i'm also a writer over at the fancy six pack and i was going to say to you josh uh uh, you don't know how hard it is to do waivers on a Tuesday and then come here on a Wednesday and do rankings. Almost you got to be ahead of it. So it's, it's a rough schedule every week. But uh, I also do rankings over at Fantasy Pros, and that's kind of what the podcast bases are scoring on. Uh, let me show you that. Let me show you what we actually do over there. Um, no pressure or anything, Josh. I'm going to show you the scoring. Solo tackles 1.5. Assisted tackles 0.75, tackles for loss 2, sacks 4, and interceptions 5, and so forth. I usually ask every guest, I usually ask them, do you see anything that sticks out to you? Is there anything that pops out when you're looking at scoring for a defense? I like that the uh, big plays, and I think a lot of IDP uh, is sack is a big play, but sacks happen, you know, there's five, six, seven, eight sacks a game. But interceptions, just looking at this right now, interceptions, forced fumbles, uh, defensive touchdowns are even a little up, not high, but like, I mean, it's the big playability, uh, that I think is pretty interesting about these rankings. Um, and then passes defended being 1.5. I like that a lot because that's one of those underrated stats that was yes. super hard to get on any channel. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, when IDP first, like really got into the digital, you know, cause IDP was mostly, you know, I mean, IDP is hard to score in general, but you know, once the, once the sites kind of came, came to two and had these, uh, IDP individual rankings. It's really nice to have. And I like that pass defended because that's one of those things that people don't really, you don't see that on stat lines much like on people's like, you know, you see forced fumbles leaders, the, 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 you know, interception leader, but you don't look at the pass defended leader. And that is one of those big plays. Cause I mean, they're it's, it's breaking up a pass. It's potentially just because it isn't an interception doesn't mean there shouldn't be some points for, towards it. So and you know what? I think I think uh, only one or two. Actually, yeah, it was Axe Harding actually that came on. It was mentioned in defensive back. A lot of people tee off on that tackle as I do, but defensive back deflections, you can make money on that. You can actually bring in corners. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say that makes corners a little bit more valuable too. 
I actually have a couple on my list. And uh, let's see. So this week we have the Cardinals and Washingtons on a bye week. Honestly, the Cardinals IDP, we're not we're not losing much, you know, but we have enough data the last uh, 13 weeks. So we kind of know who the top defensive linemen, linebackers are, defensive backs. I'm going to highlight a couple and a couple tiers. Um, you brought up a good point about offense and defense. I was wondering in general terms and thinking, uh, what would you rather, your opinion, uh, as far as IDP play against a bad offense or a good offense? What do you, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, honestly, I and it kind of depends on the team too, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're if you're the Eagles, you you kind of want to play a good offense. You want the Eagles defenders against a good offense. Because if it's a bad offense, they might just not play the whole game, you know? Right. Uh, but if you're if it's a if it's a bad team going against a good offense, they might also get shut out. So that might be a little bit more valuable to defending like on position. So like D line or linebackers might be a little bit more valuable that game. If it's yep. a bad team playing a good offense, because eventually they're just going to run the ball down your throat at the end of the game. So, you um, know, I but, was thinking that too, with the, with the bringing in the corners and the safeties, you know, you have three and you probably only have one true linebacker getting hundred percent snaps now one or maybe two. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be a big deal. A lot of nickel out there for sure, which makes honestly the slot corner. I found like this, this and last year, the slot corners are becoming super valuable. And that I, I don't really feel like that was, used to be a thing. I mean, this year, um, no, I know you have. It, I, it I, replaced the Sam linebacker actually. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, is it Metulus from uh, Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. Metellus. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm terrible at pronunciations. I'm not good with name. names either. You'll hear, I'll get well, drugged. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is, you know, you learn these offensive name, offensive name players, even whether or not, you know, cause the announcers will say it eventually. The announcers don't even try it. Some of the defenders, which is kind of disappointing. It helps me out. Cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a visual learner, an audio learner. I need someone mm-hmm. to say it first. Like, Oh, that's it. Instead of me. I, I always wonder that too myself, like in general terms of thinking. And I, you know, I don't know if there's ever a podcast done like the way we're, you know, we're, we're trying to do it, but you know, IDP play good versus bad offenses. I was thinking free safeties would be good against a bad quarterback. And then maybe strong safeties would be good against good running backs, you know? So maybe good, but not always, you know? Yeah. But and I, then I, a lot I, of strong safeties play up a lot too. So yeah, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair point. Yeah. I'm not sure if they correlate, but it just makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Like a good, a good, or a, here's another example, a good middle linebacker would stand a better chance against the team that likes to pound the ball, you know? Oh yeah. And then on the flip side of that, a coverage linebacker would probably be better in coverage against a stud tight end or even that 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 uh, that 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 third cornerback. You know, bring the third cornerback in, or you know, the team's um, slot corner, as you said, maybe put him against the wide receiver two on a stud wide receiver team. You know, there's a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of content with with like the way we're talking. So it's just always interesting to talk to an offensive guy. And yeah. I understand you're an IDP guru as well. Oh yeah. Been a fan. Uh, actually started playing that about 10 years ago, trying to switch all the home and high school and college leagues. I've been into some sort of IDP. Um, we actually have our home league, which has been going on for 13 years. We introduced, uh, four defensive IDP players before I really even heard of it being an option. Uh, I will say Joe is a big main driver behind that. He's on the offensive points as well. Um, and we've been doing it forever. And now we have a D league to determine draft order every other year. Uh, this year, Jefferson and uh, Chase are getting kicked back, so it's getting quite intense uh, to finish out the season. Looking forward to trying to get one of those guys by knowing my IDP, you know? So I do my rankings based on Fancy Pro, so there's no, like, confusion. I think. Can you see my screen? Yes, sir. I got it. Okay, so so we do the top 15 DL, and another good correlation between offense and defense, um, you know, obviously, and we do this very often on this show, is we correlate – 
bad offensive lines versus really good defensive linemen. And, you know, that dictates the matchup a little bit. Um, over on IDP, guys, we have this snap count tool. And I'm going to pull it up on screen. You can see uh, we have it based on positional value. And you can see some of the worst some of the worst offensive lines are, and they're in our they're in our rankings here. The Giants, Jets, Tennessee, the Broncos, New England, Jacksonville, Baltimore, the Bears, and Carolina and Washington are some of the worst, are some of the worst offensive lines. So generally that usually means good for IDP. You know what you're actually seeing there at a lot, a lot there at the top though? Like you're seeing the bad teams at first, right? You know, Giants, yes. Jets, Tennessee. Sure, 100 percent bad quarterbacks. What you're seeing in the beginning in the middle and the end there is those mobile quarterbacks. And that's I, I find mm -hmm. that they get sacked quite a lot. You know, watching Jalen Hurts every every Sunday, um, I, I feel I find that they get sacked quite a lot because they step the wrong way because they're so yep. good at moving away. Of course, uh, Justin Fields was in there as well. Lamar Jackson. That's that's why I was like, wait, but Baltimore Ravens have one of the best offensive lines. And I go, wait, running quarterback man, he just walks into defensive ends sometimes. They do, and then you know pressures. You know that it factors in a lot too. Um, so, so I think the top three are kind of the Holy grail. That's your tier, tier, tier three, which is number one this week. I got TJ Watt. Number two, I got, uh, Micah Parsons. Number three, I got Max Crosby and they're all pretty darn good matchups. Uh, primarily, uh, when, you know, when you look at that, uh, Watts playing, uh, pretty good. And then you have, uh, actually, you know what? Let me um oh do not change TJ Watt from number one. He he is number one in all in all of our no, no, hearts. No, no, no. no, no. I'm uh, I'm uh, putting I'm trying to I'm trying to see if the screen will change for you. Hold on a second, just to give it a better a better so week 14. All right, tell me if you see my screen now. You see my oh, yeah, screen? Man. Okay. He, he's yeah. new, he's new, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you guys have, have seen <laughs> that now. So no. Oh yeah. Uh, TJ Watt, I was trying to show you the teams playing New England. New England has been notorious this year of rotating offensive linemen, and I think they're on their fourth or fifth one. PFF has them all graded bad, but like one. So I put Watt number one, Crosby number two against the Vikings, but three Micah Parsons against the Eagles. No, I yeah. don't have a lot to say with this tier. Do you have any rebuttals or anything? Oh, I got I got plenty for you. Uh, TJ mm -hmm. Watt needs to be number one against Mac Jones and uh, whoever Bailey Zappi, whoever's playing quarterback. It doesn't really matter. TJ Watt, oh, yeah. he, he eats as it is. He should be number one as it is, regardless. I got of him one. I yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. And and Parsons, yeah, number three. I I could actually see him vaulting over Max Crosby just because what he did against the Eagles just what four or five short weeks ago. Uh, nine tackles. Uh, I think that's a, a season high for him. And then of course a sack and a half, which, you know, should be so, pretty basic for him. So when I, when I do uh, statistics on the show, Josh, I usually break it down by position. That kind of gives a little bit of a tier. And most of these guys on here I've done. So I'm going to kind of graze over them and go to like some of the more specific ones. Oh, you're fine. I just, but, I was just saying I could see Parsons vaulting up because he's going to have a big day. against yeah. really, That's just going to yeah. be a good stat game all around for fantasy. What I was thinking just in regards to Parson and the Cowboys. And I was thinking about this the other day, because that's going to be a great game regardless. Oh yeah. Um, the Eagles are eight and one on teams that are over 500 and they're what? Oh, and two against teams that are not 500. Uh, oh, and one, or they one loss against under because we lost. That's right. Five. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, translation, the, they got an easy schedule. They beat up on folks they're supposed to and they they lose to teams they don't, you know. So, you know, the Eagles, they if they get caught behind and they're in a passing situation, Barsons is going to get likely get the tee off on the Eagles. But if they're not and they're running a ball, 
Um, my problem with Parsons is he's spotty. Some weeks I had him this high and he didn't do anything for me. Other weeks he just blows up. So yeah. last week like, against Gino made no sense. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know how he didn't get home. Gino's not. So, so actually that's, I'm interesting. You brought that up. Cause I was going to go over that later on the podcast. When you look at the Seahawks, when you look at the Seahawks on Thursday night football, they were throwing the ball super quick. They were getting the ball out. They weren't given um, who's playing him this week. Bosa. Yeah. My number four is Bosa. Um, I'll tell you what, let me, let me just go to Bosa because he's next on our list. We'll do it like that. So um, number four is Nick Bosa, right? Uh, go to a little caution because he's going against the Seahawks offense. As you said, Josh, they're very good on pressures, but I think that changed Thursday night. They're doing a lot of quick passes. Now the offensive line was like, they were, they, they they're probably not one I can tee on anymore. Parsons was clocked at 2.3 seconds per pass rush Thursday night football, and he couldn't get there. So I think they got that clean. I think they finally figured out that offensive line. So I'm no longer looking at them as a favorable pass rush, but I'm being mindful of all the mistakes they did the first 12 games of the season. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I, I feel like that's something that they did made a point of. They were throwing it to Lockett, and Lockett did, there was a couple times Lockett and JSN didn't even have a chance to look at the ball before it was thrown, and they turned around and either had to try to catch it or knock it down. And I think that's that, that's the way to go for them. Um, happy to see the Seahawks do well, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, as, far as, um, as far as number five goes and six, I got Daniel Hunter and Miles Garrett. Listen, any one of those six guys can be our sack leader for the week. I mean, any given, any given one, really. So, yeah. uh, so moving moving on though, and I, I want to kind of tee off on some of these other players. So, one we got Watt, two we got Crosby, three we got Parsons, four Nick Bosa, five Daniel Hunter, six Miles Garrett, seven Josh Allen against the Cleveland Browns. I'm kind of interested in that. You got Joe Flacco back there. You got a weaker offensive line, but more importantly, number eight, Khalil Mack against Denver. Any thoughts on those two? Um, I, I think I, I I love where you put Josh Allen at. Uh, he is just he is just an explosion waiting to happen at all at all times. We saw it on Monday night, and he, we're going to continue to see it throughout the rest of the year. And I mean, obviously, it's really hard to guess for a defensive end because someone could just you know it could be projections or it could be you know Seattle getting the ball out like Parsons didn't get home last week. Uh, but Khalil Mack has been, I'm really happy to see him have a great year this year and he is just killing it. And I, I mm-hmm. he, he's going to tee off this week. I, and I think the chargers are angry after that six point game uh, defense has been keeping them in games this whole year. So, you know, looking through it through the offensive lens. Right. And I'm thinking of Mack and I'm thinking of Broncos. When I look at the Broncos lately, I see two things. I see Russell Wilson, you know, a little bit like the old Russell Wilson in the past. I think Sean Sean Payton fixed things a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're still weak on that offensive line. It's a squeaky offensive line. They're giving up pressures. Uh, fourth worst right now, according to the IDP guys tool. So you got a defensive end named Mac who's coming to town. He PFF grades. He's got 27 solo tackles. That's tied for 12th. He's got 10 assists. That's tied for 18th. 16 sacks on the season. That's first. Oh yeah, sixteen sacks. And I mean, a, a big, large part of that was that six, the six sacks game back. Oh yeah, in the, week yeah. three or four. Uh, but no, I mean, just seeing him just continue. Like honestly, after the six game sack, nobody was playing him at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was just like, ah, he's old, he's done. We saw six what he did. Six fumbles as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, after that, everyone was like, okay, maybe we start him. And then there was a kind of a lull there for a little bit too. And then he came back and he just continued to just do like, it's now it's consistent. And I love to see it for him because he had a really bad deal at, at, in Chicago. And I mean, that, that defense was been rebuilding the whole time, but no, yeah, you're going to see Khalil Mack have a great day. I, I feel good with him at eight. And then, you know, the rest of that tier, I got Hassan Riddick, nine, Bradley Chubb, 10 and Aaron Donald, 11. Any one of those guys is the guy. And any any given Sunday, you know, they're like volcanoes. But what I'm very interested in is the back tier of this list because we got a couple names that are fell off. We got a couple names that never really usually make my list. Anybody jump out at you? Um, Yeah, I mean, you got him pulled up on the screen here. Justin Matabuke had been Look having stats. A, yeah. It's it's been so great, and it's the the best part about it is it's so hard to find defensive line consistency. And if you got Matabuke this year, you got him for free, man. It was like week <laughs> six, week seven. He's just sitting in free agency. And you're like, why is he still sitting in free agency? Yeah, even if you didn't pay attention I'm for gonna, a couple weeks, I'm yeah, gonna embarrass I, myself. I had him in a 32 team league, and I dropped him or I traded him last off season. Like I was, how would I you was have known though? <laughs> Nobody knew. Um, with with Matabuke, we're saying his name, right? I believe so. You know, I, I like wrote about so. him in my waivers article. If anybody's interested out there, I write for the Fantasy Six Pack. I got an article out that came out this morning. It's called Creating a Monster Team Off Waivers for the Playoffs. You can't miss it. There's a picture of Dr. Frankenstein rising the monsters. I just thought that was kind of cool. But what I kind of wrote on him is, uh, you know, numbers, 23 tackles. That's first. And his position, at his position. And, then, you know, again, I put that in context. 23 tackles for defensive t- tackles significant. 23 tackles right. for a middle linebacker isn't. That's why I say it like that. But he's got 11 sacks. Dang. On this season, that's first. And first fumble. So um, he's only owned in 30% of leagues. Can you believe that? Yeah. So my buddy actually picked him up in a, in a shared dynasty league that we're in. And I was like, how? Like, who, who <laughs> dropped him? Like, I just assumed at, like, week 10 that we were done picking up studs. And he picked up my mm-hmm. and I, was, I literally texted him like, how, how the heck was he sitting there? Like, and how did I not, how did I not notice? I'm upset. I'm upset, more upset at myself. He's got a matchup against the Rams, Jacksonville and 49ers coming up. And mm-hmm. they're all pretty, pretty sus against that defensive line. So that could be a playoff pickup. If, if your, if your buddy got him, that can be a playoff pickup for, for, for upcoming for us. Oh yeah. And I got to play him this week to get into the playoffs. So it's going to be even better. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. We, we live and we learn. <laughs> now I got a fade on here. Um, and um, Is that I don't Hutch? Know. yeah, I don't know if you guys have been watching Hutch. Let me pull some stats up on him. IDP guys, we have this great stat tool. It'll show you stats. It'll show you players. Um, but more importantly, um, yeah, let's just do it like this. So, so with Hutchinson, okay, on my screen. Look at the last couple games. He's getting he's getting 82% snaps, 92% snaps, 95% snaps, 91% snaps. Nothing wrong with his snaps. PFF has him as a top grader on the season. He's getting pass rushed. He's just not getting at a quarterback. And it's sad because without them sacks, look at his tackles. Mm-hmm. Two, six, two, two. He's not that great of a tackler. Uh, you're, you're, you're getting a Ferrari with him that's not running right now. What good yeah. is a Ferrari if you don't have the engine? What they really should have done, and I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked they didn't, was I really thought they were going to go after Josh Sweat or uh, Chase Young at the trade deadline. 
and pair someone with him. And that's what you see from some of these like greats. I mean, Joey Bosa had great careers and whatnot, but he like half the time he didn't have another guy. And that's why Khalil Mack's having success. He's having this year is because he's got Joey Bosa on the other side. I mean, you need another, you need another guy. I, I, I love the two, the two headed attack and Aiden Hutchinson's a great player and he's going to be for years, but uh, this year it's just been, a, it's been a little bit rough on the other side. So it's easy to double him. I put, um, I put for my number 14, I put Sam Hubbard because he's always a great safe tackle floor guy. Um, whenever, whenever I'm not sure in a given week back of the tier, he's usually ranked 14, 15 tackles, assist, what have you. Nothing very exciting about him, but he'll get you tackles. And this is the format to get him in, you know. But when I'm digging this deep, I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for players, you know. And on my bubble, 16 Buckner, 17 Burns, 18 Highsmith, 19 Granderson. I'm looking for guys like that. But Hubbard at 14, I'm more than okay with. Oh, actually, and honestly, I'm a big fan of Hubbard. And missing a couple of games, he's actually on target to get his most sacks in a season. And he's never really was a big sack guy. He was five, six sacks, but he would get those 60 to 70 tackles. And that's what was huge for him. And honestly, I'd rather take six tackles from a D line than hope for the sack from some of these random pickups. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm thinking back. I'm trying to go back to my offensive mind. And I'm thinking for my number 15 player. I'm trying to uh, – I'm looking for some upside here. So my number 15 is Rashad Gary. Um, the reason I got him there, you know, the Giants, they're traveling across the pond to play Green Bay, the Packers, okay? Rashad Gary, his stats aren't really doing him justice because he's been hurt a lot. They've been limiting his snap count, notorious. But he's been blowing up lately if you look at the screen. Holy oh, yeah. cow, he's been getting some plays. Rashad Gary has 10 sacks on the season right now. His – uh his best trait, his best games are, 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 a bit, are a bit coming. So I really, his stats are a little misleading, okay? But he's got a great positional matchup against those Giants. We know the Giants can't block. We know they can eat. Not only that, Josh, not only that, but the Giants, the one thing they can do is run the ball offensively. They have a strong mm -hmm. running game. Well, good. Good for Mr. Gary because then I can expect some more tackles out of him. Yeah, and that's just like the Lions game where he ended up with seven tackles. Well, and, and the sacks, of course, but, you know, the tackles themselves, is that comes from the running back, the running game that just it. goes right up the middle and he just stuffs it. Yeah, Gary's been playing out of his mind. I never I thought that he would turn out this well after their, like, kind of rehaul of the defense, but he has been a steal this year as well. Probably could have got him for pretty cheap in the trade market. Yeah, that Lions game, he had seven tackles, like I said. So, so you know, either way this week – I think he's a good ad. Any either way this week, you you can't go wrong with Gary. Um, so that's my that's my top fifteen. Um, any any rebuttals on these guys? Let me read them again to the audience. I know I did those quick. We are historically um, uh, we we take a long time with our defensive linemen. Most of my audience knows these guys. Maybe not the bottom tier. I got number one Watt, number two Crosby, number three Parsons, number four Bosa. Number five, Hunter. Number six, Garrett. Number seven, Allen. Number eight, Mac. Number nine, Reddick. Number 10, Chubb. 11, Donald. Then I have Matabuki at 12, Hutchinson 13, Hubbard at 14, Garrett 15. On the bubble, you got Buckner, Burns, Highsmith, Granderson. Throw a little Hayward in there, too. Any rebuttals on those guys? No, not at all. Your your, your D-line rankings are on point. It's always so hard to you know forecast a sack, basically, oh, but at the same God. time, you have to put these guys in there. Like Reddick hasn't had the biggest year this year, uh, you know, eight, nine sacks on the season, yeah. but they're, they're consistent. You know, he's getting one every game or every other game at the very least. 
So, I mean, you can't sit a sound Reddick, especially trying to go into the playoffs right now. You probably need a win. Uh, even if you don't, you want the points, you want the win. So you want to set the best lineup you possibly can. And you got to put these guys in there. You know, I pulled the fancy data. Um, I think it was last week. I'm number two. I'm the number four defensive lineman ranker on fancy pros. And I'm the number two linebacker ranker. And I'm number 12 on defensive backs. So if I can pick the defensive backs up, I think we'll be okay. But dude, that position, defensive backs is like throwing darts. I don't you got Duran Bland out here getting pick sixes, <laughs> messing everybody up. At this point, you just got to put him in your top 10 and just say. And, I know, you, and I know you've seen that game. He was getting mm -hmm. beat. Every, but he came up with the big plays when you need it. So, so that's all that matters sometimes, you know, you're oh, yeah. there when it matters. Um, so, so when we're talking defensive backs, this is kind of where I have our defensive backs this week. Let me pull that up for you. Okay. So can you see my screen? I sure can. Well, yep. I oh. sure can. Okay. Gotcha. So for um, for my first tier, you know, I got these guys in a, in a tier one. Antoine Winfield, number one. Derwin James, number two. Kevin Byer, three. Reed Bank Blankenship, four. Mika Pitt Fitzpatrick, five. Um, any any comments on that top tier? Any rebuttals? Anything you wanna anything you wanna go over with those guys there? I might put Fitzpatrick a little lower if I were yeah. you. And just, I, I, I love him to death. Great player. It's just since that injury week, what eight, he, he just hasn't, he came back last week. He played pretty much the full game right. um, and he looked okay, but he's missing that step right now. And that's what, I, that's what is, I'm missing. And that was a weird this, game to be fair, but. Oh my God. Is it a weird? Yeah. It's so hard earlier in the week like this. Cause we just don't know. And it's so frustrating. Defensive backs are so, so erratic. We don't know what the week's going to, you know, it's almost like putting soldier in a foxhole. You know, we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, we're trying to give the best, the best chances. Uh, he's going to get his snaps back. I figure he had a week to rest, but you're right. That's a bit of a, that's well, and, a bit of a dart throw. And my biggest issue is the the Patriots are so bad at throwing the ball. And I mean, sure. He could end up with the pick, which would be amazing. I'm actually starting him in a league because you can't sit Minka Fitzpatrick, but uh, right. I just might drop him down a couple slots just because there's that off chance that this game just goes, gets out of hand really fast or the throws are so errant, errant that he can't even make a play on it. Like whether it's an interception or a pass defended, but uh, I, I don't dislike Minka Fitzpatrick. We have to assume that he's back at this point. So. Right. And um, so the, the, the Winfield, when you look at Winfield's, he blew up this week. Holy smokes. Um, I just wanted to kind of honor that, take a, take a knowledge out. Against the Panthers, 99 snaps, eight tackles. Then he threw a sack at us. Then he gave us an interception. Yeah, you know what uh, he is this You know what he is this year? He's uh, the, the new Devin White. Devin White used to be this guy on that team. Uh, he was the guy getting the extra sacks, the first fumbles, interceptions, all the extras. You know, he's still getting his tackles, but he's also getting all those little extras, and that's what really adds up, and that's what gives you those 30, 40-point games. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, no, Winfield took that Devin White role away one day, and I, I mean, he's basically a linebacker, so you're going to steal it defense back. I, mm -hmm. No argument for number one on my, on my part. Mm -hmm. So I think that five is pretty straightforward. Now, I got Cameron Bynum, number six. And I'm gonna I'm gonna work him in. We got a we got a mailbag question, and the mailbag question was, um, "Hey, uh, who do you like better, John Metellus? I might as well throw Biner in there too. Metellus and Biner, Nate Hobbs or Brian Bat, Bat Branch. Who do I like better? Um, honestly, they all got pretty interesting matchups for me this week. Uh, let's take a look at Bynum first, and and I'll kind of go over all those guys together in a lump sum here. 
So defensive backs, uh, who's, okay, Bynum's playing the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, we always on the show talk about his tackle performance. We always talk about his numbers. He's got 75 tackles on the year. That's first. He's got two INTs. That's 10th. That's, that's okay? But what I want to talk about is coverage, okay? The Raiders, the Raiders passing attack is ranked, you know, about middle of the pack. But when you look at targets to wide receiver, they're eighth in the league. So Bynum or Metallus, one of those guys is going to eat. I'm saying it's Bynum. He's got 54 targets on the year. That's tied for second his position. For those 54 targets, he actually allowed 41 catches, which is tied for second. So put his tackling ability, put his coverage ability in there. I'm putting him at six. I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, I got no, I got no issues with it. Metellus, uh, I would say, is just has been on one lately, and one of the best. If you have solo cornerback slots, I, I think he's number one on the year right now, just playing out of his mind. Uh, but yeah, no, I got no complaints. Number seven, I got Kyle Hamilton against the Rams. Number eight, this is where it gets a little bit more pick your poison. Jesse Bates against Tampa Bay. He is a hit or miss player. We did hit. We did a. We did a, a, a profile on him a couple weeks ago. He's got a lot of forced fumbles. He's got a lot of interceptions. That's pretty much his game. He's in the backfield. So if Tampa Bay's throwing, which they might, Tampa Bay's got a deep ball quarterback who maybe doesn't make the most accurate of throws sometimes. He might eat. So I put him at eight, nine. I got Dax Hill, which my issue with him is they move him all over the place. Xavier McKinney at ten, I'm okay with. And Grant Hill is getting all those potential snaps in the box. So once I start digging this deep, I start thinking about it. I start putting cornerbacks down here. Um, what says you, Josh, about these players? Anything in this tier that that sticks out to you? Yeah. Um, so love Xavier McKinney, Jesse Bates, Dax Hill. I don't think you can put them any lower. Um, if anything, I might want to see them go up a bit. Uh, but not no problems here. Obviously, the people you have above them are amazing. Uh, but Grant Delpit is kind of on my shit list this week. Um, I actually, I'm sitting in this week. He's actually had a couple off weeks. Um, and the only reason I, I'm, I'm issue with here is because of the unknown with Trevor Lawrence, which I'm assuming is not playing. I mean, the good news is he could get a pick, but I just don't see, I, th- I see Jacksonville leaning into the Etienne Dearness Johnson game here. I know Cleveland's historically good against the run, but I feel like you have to lean into the, the running game. That would be my only issue here other, do, otherwise. because Do we know that for a fact that Trevor Lawrence is out? Um, no, it, they're saying a high ankle sprain, though, which means out for two weeks, technically. It should at least. Uh, but gotcha. who, knows? who knows what they're going to actually do? Gotcha. So, so yeah, that's that tier. I mean, any one of those guys, I usually like to play safeties first if I can. But mm-hmm. when I'm down this deep, what are we on, 12, tier three? I'm looking at corners, and number 12 to me is Kenny Moore. He's got a good matchup against the Bengals, but let me throw caution at this like I did with uh, with the defensive lineman, okay? It's an outdoors matchup. It's against Cincinnati. The Colts passing game – well, well, hold on. Let's do let's do Kenny Moore first. We're going to do both of them. We're going to look at both. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's an outdoor matchup. The passing attack has been uh, – it's been a free fall since Burrow left. Uh, if you look at the rankings, they're middle of the pack, but that's before Burrow, Okay. So, so we don't know what we're going to get. I mean, it looked like an okay game, but it wasn't Jacksonville. But the wide receiver targets, their ranking is decent, but I'm pretty sure that's going to fall a little bit. So open the door for Kenny Moore to get some of them slot points. I'm sure they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more. I think that'll work. And let's flip the script. Let's go back a little bit, Dax Hill and all that stuff. Like I said, the Colts passing attack is ranked among middle of the pack and they target the wide receiver. They're in the top three when it comes to that. So there's value in both of those players. 
It's just how you got them ranked, and I got more a little lower. I, I don't I don't dislike where you have more. Um, for for a cornerback, getting eight seven tackles, averaging that per game is amazing. And I think uh, with Browning's newfound uh, love for Jamar Chase and being able to hit that big ball, there's still going to be some room underneath. And I think that uh, Kenny Moore, you know, at least swoops up and gets seven eight tackles again. And I mean, and there's the, there's always the off chance this guy's a rook out here. Um, I mean, essentially a rook, I should say. But Kenny Kenny Moore could easily take one and take one to the house. I feel like it'd be doing a disservice to Kenny Moore if he didn't play him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now back to that mailbag question, who would I rather? Um, you know, you got Nate Hobbs at 13. You got Brian Branch at 14. And then I put Blackman at 15 because he you know gets a lot of box snaps. On my bubble, I got Devin Witherspoon at 16, Metellus at 17, Marquise Bell at 18. But if you notice in this tier, I got a key matchup I'm looking at. Um, so, you know, the Raiders and the Vikings, that's pretty sweet to me, um, with Hobbs. Okay. Hobbs is one of those players. He's always all over the field. Nate Hobbs against the Vikings, the Viking, the Vikings passing attack has been excellent all season without Justin Jefferson. They're sixth in the league overall. And that's just outside the top third of the league for their wide receivers. So maybe they target Justin Jefferson when he comes back. Who knows? Whatever. That might go up. But you got Nate Hobbs, man, playing 100% of snaps all over the field. Last time we saw him before his buys and everything, he was an automatic star as a CB1. So I kind of like him this week. I think that's my answer. Kenny Moore, Nate Hobbs, sign me up for that. Brian Branch, though. Brian Branch is another guy who's up and coming. I got no problems with Brian Branch either. But the reason I have him a bit lower is uh, he plays 96% of snaps, and he's probably in my CB2, CB3 territory um, because, again, you know, the matchup dictates what's going to go on there. Who knows what Lions team we're going to get this week? I mean, seriously, we might get we might get them blown out the Bears, and maybe they he doesn't, you know, he gets he doesn't get all those snaps. Who knows, to be honest. But, but Brian Branch, I'm kind of still spectacle of. I don't know how the secondary is going to go, but I feel good about the defensive line. If you're playing Brian Branch over Hobbs, you're hoping for the big play. And I completely mm-hmm. understand if people want to do that, but I think you're absolutely right with Nate Hobbs. Uh, Josh Dobbs has shown that he can be a little finicky here and there. We're getting Josh Je- uh, Justin Jefferson back, apparently. Uh, so naturally, I think Hobbs is just going to have to work all day. Um, whether And I, I don't see this game getting out of hand either. Minnesota's not really the run-up-the-score type. They're always in close games. So I'd have to go with Nate Hobbs just because I'd rather have my guy out there the whole time instead of, Oh yeah. Well they're throwing at least Chicago's throwing. So maybe Brian branch will get something, but I want him to be able to get, especially for safeties. I want them to be yeah. involved in the run and the pass game. Cause honestly, safeties get a lot of those uh, kind of leftover tackles in the run game, whether it's just even assisted at the end. So, so for defensive backs, I got number one, Winfield, number two, James, number three, Byert, number four, Blankenship, five Fitzpatrick, six Bynum, seven Hamilton, eight Bates, nine Hill, 10 McKinney, 11 Delpit. And in my bottom tier, I have Kenny Moore, Nate Hobbs, Brian Branch, Julian Blackman. On my bubble, this is an amazing bubble, Devin Witherspoon, Josh Metellus, Marquez Bell, the Cowboys. And, you know, I got Jalen Petrie, uh, Brisker, Duggar. Any one of those guys can sneak in there any given time. Um, any 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 thoughts there? I, I think it's a good list. Um yeah, big fan of Petrie, uh, and I would probably argue that he should be higher if they weren't playing the Jets. 
Like, <laughs> I gotta yeah, take sure. that out of there just because. Yeah, sure, he could get catch a stray, but I just I, mm -hmm. I hate banking on catching a stray. Uh, or you know maybe because I just don't see them passing the ball enough for him to get enough work. I, a game's gonna be, probably be pretty bad for the Jets at least. So we had actually a question as I transition from defensive backs to uh, the linebackers, which would be our final category. Um, the question from the mailbag, and this is just an interesting, you know, uh, segment to put it on, but, uh, you know, uh, ghetto fab seven, two, one, he's like, Hey, I'd be fascinated to see what kind of schemes are associated with positions and, you know, what defensive players are better in certain schemes. And he mentioned a couple different coverages and what have you. Um, so I just think that's kind of neat. And, uh, I think we can answer that here as it is, as it is relevant. Um, so let's kind of cut into that with you. Um, the first kind of coverage I want to go over on the pod, um, whenever you're looking at defenses on field, and we're going to go with the offensive offensive perspective in the spirit of this episode, whenever you guys see a safety come down into the box, whenever you see that, it could be a free or a strong. Whenever you see one safety looks, this is the most notable thing that you will see on the field. The most notable thing that most teams will do is they'll do that because they want to bring a safety in the box, like we talked about Blackman, the Delpits, the Duggars, almost like an extra linebacker so they can cover the pass but support the run. Mm -hmm. It's one or two coverages. It's either cover one or cover three. Um, historically, recent history, Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom, they would run a cover three. Uh, so let me just show you this. A cover one essentially is man coverage, okay? Uh, you're looking on – if you're looking on my home screen, the best way to, to beat cover one – is when, you know, those outside, if you look at my screen, those outside away deep balls, away from the free safety, if you can get a matchup and get around the corner because there's all empty space on the sides, that's the best way for a quarterback to beat uh, cover one, playing the matchups. You might have an outstanding matchup, but beat the outsides or run some kind of vertical routes down the, down the middle and make the safety make a decision. One of those guys is getting open. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what cover one looks like. Essentially, it's a man coverage. Now, this is cover three. And if you're looking at it, it's the same exact thing, okay? Except for this is going to be a zone now, okay? What this does, as we said with the other one, it provides run support as well. What you want to do in a cover three, okay? When you're looking at cover three, you want to make that free safety make a decision, okay? When he comes down. Here's a live version of that if you guys want to look at it. Okay, the red guy coming down. Okay, he, the safety comes in a box. You're seeing a cover one or cover three. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. How do I know if this is man or zone? Well, cover one is man. Cover three is zone. How do you know the difference? An easy way to do this offensively is put a man in motion. If you put a receiver in motion, as the picture showing you, for the people on Spotify that can't see my, my screen, I'm just showing a simple football play um, and how to beat cover three and cover one. But anyway, if you put the man in coverage and you see the man follow him, then that's going to be man. But if you see the team just reset or stay in place, it's clearly a zone. How you beat this coverage is, again, as two verticals down the field, make the safety, make a decision. Try to test the corners on the side. And then another way to beat it, Josh, is you can actually run, run some screens in between there. Um, so excellent question. When I think of cover three, when I think of cover three, I get Ophab, uh, thanks for posting this. When I think of that, I'm thinking of a team has an elite free safety or strong safety, an Earl Thomas type, if you will. Okay, you can get by with average, maybe tall, long-armed uh, safeties. You can get by with that, 
But in order to run a cover three, you need decent to good Richard Sherman type corners, but you need an outstanding, you need an outstanding free safety, strong safety back there just to cover, just to cover the gap. Uh, cover ones and cover threes are probably the most easiest and common to catch because you got the one guy over the middle. Okay. I think now, the biggest thing though is just that everyone is now running this motion. And, you know, they're just, they're running it just to see. And then they go, oh, okay, got it. And then the quarterbacks, the, the veteran quarterbacks are reading that right away. And even guys like CJ Stroud, uh, they'll throw a little motion. And then Stroud's been jumping on those reads real well. And honestly, you're seeing so much motion. And that's, you know, obviously ends up with a couple of false starts here and there, or people, you know, kind of get a jump on the route. But yeah, no, yep. you're completely right. Those those motions really do read that defense. And you, you see it, and then you go, it's either cover one or cover three. Let's say a minute in motion. There it is. So, so we did the odd ones, cover one and cover three. Let's do the even ones, cover two and cover four together, okay? Cover two is a very easy one to catch, too, because you got two deep safeties, okay? Now, Peyton Manning was famous for this. If he's seen two deep safeties, that means he's probably got the matchup on the offensive versus defensive line. He would run the ball up the middle. He was constantly notorious for that. Um, Josh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I was thinking I was watching football. Um, when you see a lot of teams nowadays, they save their timeouts for defense mm -hmm. instead of just offense. And you'll see teams get frustrated when they have to call a timeout. I guess the logic there is not only do you want your defense to get your break, but if you can call timeouts, hold the clock, stop the ball, you can probably force another offensive opportunity. Um, yeah. I I mean, also, I, I think that it's another reason is to get that read. Uh, it's a clutch moment. Say they're up by, you know, a touchdown or something and, and the, the offense is driving against them. They get that read real quick and they know what play they're going to call. Sure, they're probably not going to call the same play, but at the same time, they know what they're thinking and then they can kind of call their defensive coverage off of that and be like, oh, you know, I know exactly what they were going to do there. So we, we saw what they were going to do through a man in motion. They saw that it was man. We're out. We're going to call a timeout right now. We do not want them to know what play we're doing, especially on like a you know an important third down play. So the strength of cover two, when you look at it, you know it, it it holds up run support as you see everybody's over the middle, okay, underneath. But they only got two on the back end. You see how easy you can burn this defense. Oh, yeah. So you need incredibly good free safeties or athletic safeties to cover all that ground. Also, the cornerbacks are kind of back there in run support. See all the blue? They're covered, right? You can also beat these guys deep. So if you want to get a good breakout play, you can get them over the middle. Um, so that's typically what your cover two looks like. When you look at uh, cover four, it's similar, but it isn't. Remember I said in the beginning of the podcast, hey, look for the safeties? Well, also look at the cornerbacks. The way you can catch a cover four is cover four corners. Their hips are usually more narrow. That's what coaches will say because you know they know they're going back in zone. But forget all that because I'm not looking at a man's hips. I don't know about you, Josh. I'm not looking at a man's hips. <laughs> <laughs> cover four those guys are about seven yards off the line of scrimmage cover two they're usually two four five that sort of thing you know looking for a press look but everybody in a cover four they're going back they're playing both of these are a zone it's a classic zone these cover fours okay but uh it looks similar it looks similar but here's the problem with with when, when we're talking zones here especially in a cover four if you have four receivers and I have four defensive backs, so now we're one-on-one -on -one and you're playing zone with me, eventually you can only go so far down the field when it becomes man, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes man at some point. So I run a post on that and I'm going to beat it. Cover four gets beat a lot by posts if you're if you're a smart quarterback. Also, in the short term, you can beat it with uh, with floods and bends and that sort of thing, okay? 
Travis um, Kelsey's and Cooper Cup's up the middle because nobody can actually make a decision on who to cover with one of those guys. You know, Cooper Cup of late, I should or of old, I should say. Yeah, and uh, I mean those are just basic gists of um, of uh, that's just a basic a basic summa- you know, summation. I'm sure the NFL is more advanced than I'm trying to make it sound, but when you see those coverages, these are the kinds of players. So real quick on a cover two, cover four, you want. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers come to mind to me. They ran at Tampa two for years. What'd they do? You want a guy, a defensive tackle that can make plays, a Warren Sapp, who can stop the run. You got to have, this doesn't work without an elite middle linebacker. You got to have a Brooks type or somebody like that. You got to. And you got to have athletic free safeties in the background. As opposed to a one and three, you're relying on your safety corners to make plays. This one here, you're relying more on that middle linebacker safety type to make plays. So, yeah, it does matter. And you'll see top-tier players being ran on different schemes, what have you. Um, Not going to go too far in depth with this, but this is a cover zero. Cover zero is basically the kitchen house, okay? They're throwing it at you. The best – teams don't really run this every game. Uh, The last team I could think of that did this – was uh, Rex Ryan's Jets with Daryl Revis and a, uh, uh, what Cromartie on the other side? Uh, for this to work, you got to have corners. You got to have corners, elite corners, and you got to have guys that are at least somewhat decent at getting to the quarterback. But you don't see this. You'll see this a lot in red zones when you're trying to make a play because the zone isn't necessarily the best thing to do in the red zone. But you don't see this one that often. But I haven't seen since the Jets a team actually run this as proficiently as it does. So. My last one I'm going to show you right here is a cover six. A cover six, and this is a if for people that are on Spotify that can't see my screen, it's basically I'm just showing them uh, an NFL defense what a cover six looks like. So for a cover six, right, you got half the field playing a cover two, and you got the other half playing a four. So four plus two is six. That's all it is. It kind of tricks young quarterbacks. It confuses them. Um, you'll see Bill Belichick run some crazy stuff out of a six, or he'll put it together. Uh, those are your common NFL type defenses. Of course, they're more exotic than what I'm making them sound to be. And uh, the cover seven, Nick Saban does that in Alabama. I can do another hour episode on that. So we're not going to do that today. But those are your basic gists of coverages. And that was an excellent question. Thanks for adding that to the show. I love the breakdown. And uh, I hate I hate to leave you like this before the linebackers even get there. But I got to hop yeah. off and get to the next show. But uh, no, oh, thanks yeah. so much for having me, Steve. I just wanted to thank you again. And uh, love the rankings, by the way. I love the little sneak peek here. Uh, Excellent. But killing it out here and look forward to the next one. Excellent. No problem at all. And we're going to finish up with linebackers and we'll see you again. Josh, is there anything that you're into? Anything? Uh, tell the audience where they can find you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So at Offensive Points uh, on Twitter, um, uh, you can find us right here on the IDP Plus channel on YouTube and on the uh, audio feed as well. Um, and just because you asked me and I didn't actually tell you, I'd feel bad without leaving and be doing it as a service to you. So he asked us what's with the possum. So if you if you listen to an Offensive Point uh, uh, podcast or anything, seen us, there's some possums random around. You're like, what the hell is this possum doing? Uh, well, anyway, so we came up with this and we were OP Offensive Points and we were like, we need a, we need a stick. We need a, we need something like we need a mascot. We had a whole like 20 minute episode or a part of our episode. Just, just derail completely where we were going on fantasy football. And we decided on possum and you know why we did? Cause O P O possum possum. And also people don't know that pterodactyl, you know, is spelled with the P. So it really doesn't work out. So <laughs> I, I really liked the, I really pushed the pterodactyls cause I thought it was unique. Uh, but we went with the possum. We've, we, uh, we've, we've leaned into it. We got possum shirts. I'm pretty sure they have them on the IDP plus page now. 
Uh, we had him on our old old page as well. So uh, just something that stuck. And uh, actually, I had uh, at the Fancy Football Expo last year, not this previous year, this year, but the year prior, met Andy Barons for the first time. Super, super cool guy. And he was so pissed off about the pos. I, I don't want to say pissed off, but he was like, that's not it. I don't know what you're doing. And we're like, dude, people love it. I don't know what it is either. Uh, we recently had two people in San Francisco. We're from St. Louis. Uh, two people in San Francisco run into each other wearing possum shirts. Uh, and I don't, I don't think anyone else is doing it. So, uh, really cool to hear, uh, some people actually love this yeah. thing. That was just a stupid conversation that we ended up having. So, Hey, Hey Josh, I got my linebackers on the screen. I'm only going to highlight a couple of them, but anybody on here, any rebuttals? Number one, I got Ola Kuhn. Number two, Roquan Smith, three, Zare Franklin, four, TJ Edwards, five, Bobby Wagner, six, Ernest Jones, seven, CJ Mosley, eight, Bobby. Okay. 9, Terrell Bernard, 10, Alex Singleton, 11, Logan Wilson, 12, Fred Warner, 13, Devin Lloyd. That's our new one. We got a guy in the audience, Stephen Steven Smith, is going to be so excited when I talk about him. 14, Quincy Wilson, 15, Z Al, sure. Do you do any, any rebuttals on those guys? Yeah, top five, nailed it. Uh, there's not anything I could even do for you. The only person I would have an argument right now against right now would be Terrell Bernard. Uh, I know mm -hmm. he kind of had a couple low games, even though there was a pick and some sacks in there in the last few games. The, the, the tackles number kind of dipped right before the bye. They're coming into KC. He is going to be involved. Uh, I don't know if you know this about the Chiefs, but uh, – they like to try to run the ball and then forget about it and throw to Kelsey. Yeah. I know Bernard's yeah. not going to have an easy time tackling Kelsey, but there's a lot of short dinky run type throws that they do in the chiefs and like Rushy rice out of the backfield. Uh, if they still are using them for some reason, uh, I don't even want to talk about him. Tony, uh, th those are the tackles that Bernard sweeps <laughs> up. He is, he is uh, North to South. He is on each side of the field. I don't think a lot gets by him. I think he ends up with a big tackle total plus probably a big play as well. So that would be my biggest take for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the All Chiefs right. haven't run the ball a lot lately. That's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, I'll let you finish this up by yourself. But, hey, I appreciate right. everything again. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Steve. You have a good day. You as well. Okay, we got a couple mailbag questions, and we'll bring it home. But uh, I wanted to pull up – if you go to IDP, guys, the snap tool, and if you pull it up, you'll see uh, – you can do it by position now, and that's what's pretty interesting because you got number one, you got the Browns. They're the worst at at uh, you know giving up to linebackers. Two, the Commanders. Three, the Falcons. Four, the Texans. Five, the Bears. So you can really tee off on those teams right now. So that's why I got some of these players up a little bit higher than than you normally would see. Um, I don't think we need to really go in depth with my top tier, which was Olakun one, Smith two, Zare Franklin three. But I do want the audience to be a bit mindful. Zare Franklin, a lot of people are doing a little bit of chatting. And I hope we're wrong about this. But Zare Franklin last week, he's got a little bit little bit of his numbers going down a little bit. Um, and the thought process is maybe because EJ Speed is there, maybe because he's more of a true player. Zare Franklin's not really a coverage guy. He's more of a tackle guy. But look at last week, 100% snaps. What's going on? Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he isn't. I still got him three. I don't know where other rankers have him. It's too early in the week. But just be mindful of that. Be mindful of Franklin. He may be slumping for you. If he's slumping for you, you know. You've heard it here first. Um, number four, TJ Edwards. Lions, that's going to be a good one. Bobby Wagner playing the 49ers. Those are both running teams. And sign me up for some Ernest Jones, right? Ernest Jones stats don't do him any justice. 
They really don't. When you look at Ernest Jones, he's been hurt a good portion of the year. But, you know, for those that are on Spotify and pulling up some stats on Ernest Jones, the last couple games, we'll go back three. He's got 97% snaps, 12 tackles. 63% snaps, six tackles. 97% snaps, 15 tackles. So what does that say? When he's on the field, he's producing. Sign me up for some of that, okay? Um, We had a question in the mailbag, and it was asking me about Quincy. Who would I rather, Quincy Walker, Devin Lloyd, or the Landon Roberts? Um, Steve Smith, you are going to be so happy when you see this episode. I got Lloyd all the way down. I got him at 13 now. He's my guy. So let me just do this tier because you know these players. You got number seven, CJ Mosley, number eight, Bobby O, number nine, Terrell Bernard, 10, Alex Singleton, 11, Logan Wilson, 12, Fred Warner, 13, Devin Lloyd, 14, Quincy Williams, 15, Aziz. Uh, uh, Al Sharir. Now, with with Devin Lloyd, Devin Lloyd is one of these players that has been kind of low for us um, recently. Why has he been so low? Well, I'll explain it to you, okay? He just wasn't really incredibly involved in the beginning of the season. And, you know, Chad Momo was jumping in there back and forth. Now, all of a sudden, we got ourselves a player. I mean, just look at his stats off screen. 100% snaps, eight tackles. 99%, 11 tackles, you know, during bye weeks and with, you know, other issues going on, there's nothing wrong with putting him in where we have him. I'm kind of excited with him moving forward. And Steve Smith, thank you for putting him in the in the chat. Uh, we've been mindful of him. But, you know, with Lloyd, though, too, to be fair, the story doesn't do him justice. He's got 67 tackles, which is tied for 18, 22 assists, tied for 27. Look at his last couple games. That's that's the that's the argument I would make to the audience. You know, any backer that gets that gets these matchups, he should be in business. He should be in business for you. Um, what was the other guy on the the question that, that we asked? Uh, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't trust anybody else with that. I think the answer to me would be Devin Lloyd. Um, we had another mailbag question in regards to linebackers. Um, the the question came in. The question came in. And it was asking me. Who would I prefer between the following linebackers? Let me let me put, pull that up on my screen. Uh, do, where you at, buddy? Who should I start between these three guys? Quincy Wilson, Devin Lloyd, Jordan Brooks. We know it's not Jordan Brooks now, right? Wagner, Logan Wilson with, with, with an E. That answer, my friend, and that's Stephen Smith again. Boy, you're getting a lot of a lot of love this episode. I'm going Bobby Wagner playing against the 49ers, the fifth best of the linebacker position. That's kind of an easy one for me, my friend. Okay. Um, the other question that I had uh, was involving Demario Davis. Why don't I ever show Demario Davis love on this chat? Okay, here it is. Oh, it's a double answer from Jim Sar four seven four. Who would I rather? Would I rather Khalil Mack, Alex Singleton, or Demario Davis? Let's answer this one, and and we'll close the episode. Well, quite frankly, Khalil Mack as a linebacker, I don't play him there. I'd rather play him as a defensive lineman um, because he's gonna he's if he doesn't get me two or three sacks a game, he's not really relevant. He's not. So I'd rather take my chances at a position that's 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 uh volatile i'll put him there and then i will put a linebacker in that spot so give me alex singleton 
Now I know what you're probably thinking, and I kind of wish Josh, Josh would see this one. Okay. Demario Davis, what's going on with him? We did this breakdown a couple episodes ago with Pete Werner. What's happening with these guys? Okay. I'm going to show you what the Saints run. Now, remember I showed you cover one, cover three, cover two, cover four, cover six, cover zero. This is a cover five defense. For the audience on Spotify, I'm just pulling up a cover five defense. You guys don't really see this. You guys probably don't hear about this too much because modern football, cover five defense, not really heard of. I don't even think it's on Madden anymore. They, it, it, It's a cover two man if you look at it. That's all it is. It's a cover two and man in man coverage. They just call it a cover five. But this is what the Saints run very often. And if you look at it, the nose tackle, I know we did techniques the, a while back. It's shaded over the center, maybe maybe the one. The defensive ends are right there. So both Granderson and Jordan, they're coming off the run. On the way to the pass, they're, they're getting some tackles, okay? This third linebacker is shifted to a cornerback. So we all know historically the slot position of the Saints is really good. So those guys there are making plays, and you know their names. You know, they're making names for the Saints. Uh, Paulson Madibu, you know, what have you. I want to so, so those guys are those guys are doing it. Uh, so you got, what do we have here? We got corners making plays. We got defensive ends making plays. They're vampire in one or two tackles a game. That's why Pete Warner's hit or miss sometimes. That's why Demario Davis is hit or miss sometimes. That's why you don't really see them on our podcast so much. So in itself, I'm taking, I'm taking Alex Smith by default. I'm taking Alex Smith by, by default. I'm not Alex Smith, Alex Singleton. Sorry. Um, so a lot of people don't realize just how good Alex Smith has been. So let me just show the audience, okay? Alex Smith, the last, whew, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. Look at all these 10 digit, 10 tackle games, 12 tackle games, 10 tackle, 10 tackle, 11, 70 dipped, 10, 10, 2. This guy here has been killing it, okay? I just did a tweet the other day on Alex Singleton, okay? Alex Singleton is the highest graded PFF linebacker that the um that the uh broncos have okay alex singleton is the highest graded and he's making the most tackles and on top of that not only is he making the most tackles and he's making the most plays he beat the 1987 broncos record of the most consecutive double digit tackle games with five and then He's still going, isn't he? 10 in the last 11 games, he's had double-digit tackles. So, you know, Alex Singleton doesn't really do much for you, and it's argued if he's whether or not he's a great player or not. Well, I'll tell you, he's getting us what we need, okay? So so just keep that in consideration when you're looking at Alex Singleton. Keep that in consideration. He's a bottom-tier player on my list. And just to recap, I got Olakun 1, Smith 2, Franklin 3, Edwards 4, Wagner 5, Ernst Jones 6, then we got Mosley, Oak, uh, Bobby O, uh, Terrell Bernard, Alex Singleton, Logan Wilson, Fred Warner, Devin Lloyd, Quincy Williams, Aziz, and then I got TJ Watt on my bubble. Any single one of those guys is pretty good this week, but I'm giving you justifications on why I kind of broke them down into tiers. Um, any questions on these guys, guys? We're going to close the podcast a little bit early this week. Um, again, just to remind you, please join the Discord. Please join the chat. We got an excellent Discord. We got sit and starts all week. I'm not the only podcast out there. Uh, feel free to jump in. Um, leave some comments. Leave me. I always say smart comments, but I don't mean bad or good. I just mean something that makes us all think, something that makes the audience a little bit better. You see how I am with this audience. I'm trying to get different takes 
uh, people outside the IDP community that could that could that could that could jam out with us here and just make us grow. So just leave a comment, leave a like, leave a subscribe. If you guys want to meet me on the Discord, I'm in there too. Okay, we're gonna end the pod a little bit early this week. I hope you guys are having a good week, and I hope you guys are in the playoff hunt. Okay, keep out there, keep fighting, keep loading your teams, keep doing what you got to do. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Next week we're supposed to have a former offensive lineman for the Cowboys and the Raiders, and he was also on Survivor Season 22, Mr. Stephen Wright. So we're going to head it early, and you guys have a good night. See you.